welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it! Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Punch It! Writing in Star Trek. I am your co-host, Tristan Riddell, and with me, as always, is the illustrious... Charlotte Schmidt. That's right. And uh, this week, this is episode 81, and uh, we are delivering something to you that uh, actually we teased a little bit last week that we kind of just stumbled upon this concept, and uh, it was a concept that both of us were just like, ooh, that would be fun to talk about, and that is characters in Star Trek seasoning growing up, altering in adulthood, specifically not just a character arc, like not just like, oh, they got promoted or now they're married, even though some of that will be entailed. Of course. The major theme is aging, growing up, changing, developing beyond just characters in a TV show. So this is just kind of like a freeform conversation. We're going to, it'll be all over the place. And Char, I want to know just to get right into it. When you think growing up, changing, seasoning, exploring adulthood in Star Trek, what's the first thing that pops into your head? Well, when this whole thing came up last week on air, I kind of had a thought that it's not just about the mental aspects of how you age. There's also a certain amount of physicality to it, too. I mean, the way we look in our 30s is a little different as opposed to our 20s. And I think we see little bits of evolution with a lot of Star Trek characters in terms of how they change with their appearance along with how they change as people. So I came up with some examples of that. Oh, okay. Like, okay, for starters, the very obvious one, I think, is when Riker has the beard. (laughs) Things change profoundly for that character. That's really interesting that you're focusing on that. And that's actually one of the benefits of, of this podcast and, and our partnership is that, like, I didn't think about the physicalities whatsoever. I really thought oh, you about. Didn't. No, I, th- I thought about, like, mentally changing. I thought about advanced opportunities, about responsibilities, about personality change, things like that. That's what I was focusing on. So that's interesting that you're going from a visual standpoint. I think, though, we can marry them both. I think there's a lot of examples we can go off of that actually display both aspects of it okay so let's just go ahead and stay on Riker for a little bit you know like you're talking about the beard you know like he got a beard in season two and I feel like actually like he went through a lot of physical change I feel like Jonathan Frakes himself aged and aged very well but at this like he just got it feels like he got bigger he got broader he did he did I mean they've even talked about that in interviews and whatnot, I mean, they went from kind of like the starving actor types to, hey, we've got secure jobs. We know we have a contract for seven seasons and I'm eating a little better and I'm working out. I'm all right. I'm, I'm in good shape. They really have actually addressed that. And it, it's, it's interesting because his body changed and to the point where if you go to the the last episode of The Next Generation with All Good Things, they had uh, Denise Crosby come back. They had Data. They had Chief O'Brien. I can't remember if they had Troy or not. I'm kind of blanking. Yes, they did have Troy because I remember her in the old uniform. Right. But it was like these are all people where you could flash back seven years ago and still believe that it was seven years ago. But they used archive footage of Jonathan Frakes because he changed so much, even beyond <laughs> the beard. Yeah, yeah. 
his body changed a lot. And that's one aspect. Now, I come from a different angle. And I think Riker is a prime example, besides just the physicality and the beard. I feel like he grew up a lot in the show. Like he was, if you watch the first two seasons, Riker's always kind of like a jovial character. He's always the one who will tell a joke or, you know, laugh at something. He's just like, he's a man's man. I love it. He's a little happy-go-lucky. He's happy-go-lucky, but that happy-go-luckiness kind of calms down after Best of Both Worlds. Definitely. Oh, that's such a turning point. I think that turning point specifically, like having the captain's chair, even for a small bit and a little bit of the Enterprise D, tempered him a little bit and gave him a taste of what he wanted. And also just the the act of losing his captain and then potentially Earth being assimilated, half of the fleet getting lost, all that kind of business really shook him up. And the happy-go-luckiness went down a little bit, but he was still, he's still the same old Riker, but just... He takes things a little bit more seriously, and I think him being confronted by Shelby in Best of Both Worlds made him see that and realize that, like, oh, crap, I have changed. Have I gotten comfortable? I've gotten seasoned. You know, what is that like? And I always thought that was an interesting arc for that character. Oh, totally. Yeah. Commander Shelby really gave him the gut punch that he needed to grow as a character, I think. Because had he not had that, if it had just been the trauma of Wolf 359 and potentially losing Picard, I think it would have been a much more somber turn for him. But Shelby motivated him. He turned that kind of confrontation to, yeah, I used to be just like you. I'm that young whippersnapper who thought he'd be captain, you know, the youngest captain ever, to, you know what, I'm a little more grown up now. I have more experience than you. I have some wisdom and I'm going to use that to the best of my ability. And that started really shaping him going forward to where the word seasoned is the perfect description (laughs) for William T. Riker. Oh, what a horrible thing to say to him. (laughs) But it's not. It's a huge compliment. It is. It is. Because I really think that's what happened. And then along with that, Jonathan Frakes' physical transformation, I think, only complements that so much more. It is does i think it does because not just the baby face but like he was a little spindly he was always tall but uh-huh. that you know like he was a little spindly and he just kind of turned to this i don't know this this figure this i feel like when we saw that episode like it went 12 years in the future but it was fake it was all you know like a, a oh, fake right um, what was it past not past tense no. future imperfect yes yes yeah future imperfect i love that episode when like an alien gave him a vision of what it would look like. And I feel like seeing Jonathan Frakes as he was then, and with a little gray added in, you're just like, oh, I can believe him being a dad. But if that happened to like season one or season two Riker, it would be a little bit hard. It would be a little bit harder to believe. Uh-huh. To kind of pull from uh, another franchise that we have a podcast about on the Nerd Party Outpost, the Harry Potter franchise, when they have the kids playing their adult selves in the future, it's just not quite right. They're not 35 and you know it. It's true. It's true. It's funny because if you look at them now... Maybe. I I was going to say, it was like, if you look at the Harry Potter cast now, not much has changed from the last movie, but... But it has. I, I agree with you. There was something about it where you look at them and you're just like... They're still kids, but yet they're not. They're in that weird in-between stage. Yeah, they're kind of like, what, in their mid-20s right now, where 
they're maturing. They still look fairly young, but they are maturing and it's just starting to show up in their faces just a little bit as you yeah. do in your 20s. Yes, it's it's true. It's true. It's true. So anyway, that side note aside, I think breaking it down, I think William Riker's evolution has a couple of stark breaks. One is the beard. The other is Best of Both Worlds, where his character really changed. And then you have a slow evolution where the two sort of meld together in this really uh, nice, mature man. And then I guess if we want to take it a little further, it feels a little stagnant once we get to First Contact and beyond. Yeah, I think you're right. Because I feel like during the show, I mean, like they talked about it a lot where they pulled out the captain's chair for him a couple of times and he kept turning it down. And, you know, they're talking about growth and how he's comfortable where he is. And I think they could have emphasized this more in the show. They did it a little bit, but I feel like they could have done it more where an XO of the flagship is revered just as much as a captain of his own ship. Uh-huh. And... I think that's the thing like that. He like Picard said that to Riker where that's a feather in your cap. You're the XO of the flagship. And right. so that's why he wants to stay there. Him staying there, even with the E, the Enterprise E, I know it's Hollywood and it's make believe and we all want those characters together and they had to stretch it for Worf every single time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but when I, I remember when we saw Riker sitting in that chair for the first time in the Enterprise E when they go to Earth. It just didn't feel right. I was like, you don't you don't belong there, man. You belong on your own ship. Yeah. I always wanted a next generation movie where we saw the Enterprise and the Titan together doing uh. something together. And I it could have been first contact where I, they get I, Oh my you know? god. Oh, you are reading my mind. I just had that flash of an idea of what if Riker had been promoted to captain in first contact and he has to join the fight in Star Trek First Contact as the captain of the Titan. Yeah. That is a what if we need to write. That is a what if that we need to write because we talked a little bit about the Titan before in a Punch It show, but yeah. we need to talk about like what would First Contact look like if it had the Titan as well as the Enterprise. That would be so cool. Well, let's do that sometime. All right. Well, I'm just going to turn the question back over to you now. When you think about the topic of aging and Star Trek and someone who really evolved, who's the first person that comes to your mind besides Will Riker? Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, because <laughs> I know I that's mean, your favorite. Like Riker is of course the first one to pop in my head, but I say, I, I think the second person that pops in my head would be Belana Torres. Ooh, yeah. Good pick. She does change a lot and not just her hair either. I mean, Voyager, you can kind of measure uh, a person's evolution with hair, especially Janeway, but Belana too. I feel like if you look at Balana from season one and season seven, they're almost two different people in a good way. And this is a character arc, but this is also the act of aging. This is the act of living your life because it's not like she ra rose up in the ranks and she got a promotion and she like did this and did that. Mm -hmm. It was she was the chief engineer for the entire seven years. But through that, she battled her own demons. She helped the relationship with her mother, helped the relationship with her father. She improved her relationship with Chakotay. She started dating and got married to Tom Paris and then became a mom. And these are huge, huge life events that so many of us go through. And it was so great to see that happen with Bellana because she was such a hothead and she, she was such a hothead in season one and is always a hothead. That doesn't really go away because that's her character but it was tempered, it was directed, it was changed. She grew up. 
Right. She learned, I think, over time to control her temper. I mean, it's always going to be there, like you said. And had she just been that stagnant cardboard cutout of the angry Klingon lady, Mm -hmm. nobody would have cared about her. It was like, oh, we're going to expect her to throw things and get angry and stomp out the room. Okay, so what? No, 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 no. She did grow up. She changed a lot. And a lot of it was, I think, from facing down some of her demons, her issues. And I mean, it was so good to see her confront that because I think a lot of us, we all have some sort of issue where we're conflicted. Maybe there's something about ourselves that maybe we don't like, that we fight all the time. It's our tendency. And we realize that that doesn't do good things for us. Right. And so we're constantly battling that. That's Bolana, And we see her change as she gets better at controlling that aspect of herself and letting the rest of her shine through and occasionally using that part of herself for good, letting it come out (laughs) when it's necessary. That's maturity. That is, yeah, very much so. And as you know, like Riker is my favorite character of all time and Bellana is right, right behind him. I mean, right behind him. Yeah. Close second. And We've talked so much about Balana in previous episodes as well as in previous shows. And she's one of my favorite characters for that reason. Because she changes, she grows up, she evolves, but it's not conflicting with her own character values and traits. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I would say the same for Tom Paris, too. Do you want to talk about Tom now since we're talking about uh Sure, why not? Let's talk. Yeah, I mean, hey, they're a power couple. Let's, let's discuss both. All right. Well, so you go ahead. You go start. Okay, so when we meet Tom Paris, he is a prisoner. He is a ladies' man who doesn't really seem to care much about anything but himself and his gambling debts and paying them off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, in that sense, he's kind of a straightforward guy who just, I mean, he's really lost, doesn't really seem to know what he's living for. He knows he's the best damn pilot you could have, and that's really just about it. He finds ways to get himself into trouble. And we kind of see that early on in the first season, like, what is it, ex post facto, where he gets involved with that lady, and then there's the murder (laughs) and that whole thing. There's that. But Voyager really is so good for him in a lot of ways. And he acknowledges it in the latter seasons of, this is home. This is my family. This is where I want to be. He befriends Harry pretty much from the get-go, who's not judging him for his past, which I think is something that's always kind of bogged Tom down. This was his fresh start. And from there, he he embraced it rather than ruined it. So that was one thing he did really right. And from there, he built good relationships with good people, healthy relationships that didn't revolve around drinking and gambling and whatnot. He, I mean, he sort of had that going in terms of like Sandrine's, but he did it with an outlet of, oh, I'm going to write a hollow novel. And then that sort of became a passion for him. He turned that sort of a thing into a healthier outlet. Sort of like how when you, if you're an addict, you might trade dr- your drug of choice for exercise. You still have a little bit of an addiction, but it's a much healthier one, or at least it can be. Maybe that's sort of a thing in a very much more subtle way. And then as we go on in the years, we see him chasing ladies a lot less and actually wanting to pursue a real relationship because he realizes that that's something he wants. And, yeah. and it goes from there, you know? Tom Paris doesn't get enough credit for the change that he makes. Even when he was interested in Kess, it wasn't for a fling. Like, it was a relationship that he was thinking about. Absolutely. Agreed. 
And then when he went after Bellana, it was the same thing, like where it was, of course, initial attraction. He didn't know where it was going to go, but he stuck with it when it got serious and he didn't get cold feet. It would have been so easy to show him running away because that's what Tom used to do, but he didn't do it with Bellana. Right. Right. Again, that's maturity. It's learning from your mistakes, realizing where you went wrong and how to do it better next time. Now, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the original series characters. Oh, let's. Specifically, Bones, Kirk, and Spock. Okay. Aging was a huge aspect of the Wrath of Khan. Totally. That's kind of an overarching theme in the movie. It was a centerpiece in Wrath of Khan as well as in Undiscovered Country for obvious reasons. Totally. And it's one aspect of the original series movies that is my favorite. I love it when that theme is there because it's happening in real life because real life involves real people with real aging and and, and real life dilemmas. And I love that Kirk needed glasses. It's so human. (laughs) Yeah, it's a really subtle thing, but it's that reminder that, you know what, Jim Kirk, nor William Shatner, is 30 years old anymore. He's a different guy. And that's not a bad thing. And, you know, even in the motion picture, we see him, you know, step out of that turbo lift and boom, he's an admiral. It's not Captain Kirk, it's Admiral Kirk. And he no longer has the Enterprise. And he is constantly chasing that high of getting the captain's chair back. He's trying to run away from aging. A little bit, yeah. A little bit by getting his captaincy back because those were the good old days. Those were the younger days. Now, I know it's much more complicated than that. It's not just vanity. It's not just aging. But it's, yeah, he he wants to be where he belongs, which is on the bridge of a ship. Right. And then Bones confronts him about it in Star Trek too. You know, this yeah. isn't just about age. This is your passion a little yeah. bit, you know. He's, yeah, yeah. He said, it's not just about a birthday. It's not just about getting older. It's about you not being on that ship. Right. It's get back to where you belong. And that's the thing. Is it like, and it's true. It's not just about aging. But I think Bones was definitely playing it down a little bit because it is a major factor. And if you look at the entire crew, I mean, even from a physical standpoint, I mean, my goodness, you look at Scotty, he's almost unrecognizable from the TV show. He changes a lot. Yeah. And that's yeah. not a that's not a criticism in the least. And you look at uh, Uhura and I mean, you look at- <laughs> Again, the hair changes yeah. so many times. And I love it. I love it when they lit, <laughs> let her have some gray hair, some of that nat- like oh, natural yeah. and somewhat unnatural gray hair that they add in. Well, what's uh, funny is uh, she has a little bit of gray, like Star Trek V has a nice streak of it going. And then by Star Trek VI, it's dyed. It's all yes, black again. <laughs> it's all black again. Ah. It's- It's true. Yeah. And so I loved it in Undiscovered Country where, actually, let me, let me dial it back. In the Wrath of Khan, they introduce the glasses at the beginning. They talk about birthdays. They talk about aging. They talk about being useless or not being on the ship. And then at the very, very end of the movie, I know it's a small little thing, but in order for Kirk to defeat the villain, he had to put his glasses on so that he could see the console. (laughs) It's such a great moment because he whispers to himself, damn it. And then puts him on. (laughs) Almost like he's ashamed, but he's got to. Yeah, it's just something really little. It's just something subtle. It's something that Star Trek does great. And, you know, in the same movie where Bones gives him glasses, Spock gives him a book, a paper book. And this is the 23rd century. And so both of these things are very human. And that's what I love about the original series. And then when you go to the Undiscovered Country, they're talking about retirement. They're talking about 
retiring the ship, even though that was complete nonsense because it was just made a couple of years ago. Right. Come on, that's complete BS. Why did they have to do that? I know, I know. And we talked about that on a previous episode a lot. But I love that conversation because not only are these these actors visibly aging, but their characters are asking each other, what are we going to do? And even Scotty's yeah. like, I just bought a boat, you know, like it's going to be great. You know? <laughs> wonder what happened to that boat because then we learn later on in, in tng and relics he's been out in space on the janolan what okay <laughs> what you sell there? the boat yeah. what happened what, what's going on but yeah i mean star trek 6 really has a not a sense of finality to it even though it's the last one with all of the original series cast it's that life goes on these yeah. people are moving on they're closing this chapter that they've had for a long time in their lives. I mean, Uhura is kind of, sounds like she is mentoring young cadets at Starfleet Academy. Scotty's going to go buy his boat. Spock is becoming more of a diplomat and working in that realm. And Sulu, Sulu's captain. He's the captain of the Excelsior. It's time for the younger generation to rise up. That's what's happening. That's life. That's what happens. And you talked about the finality of Star Trek VI and how it's just the closing of a chapter. I love that it wasn't dour. It wasn't, oh, God, yeah. you know, like life is over. What are we going to do? It's, okay, all right, right, this was great. Let's move on. Yeah, I think it's an important attitude to portray, too, because I think a lot of people who really get highly invested in their careers when that is their life, that is their legacy, when it is time to retire and hang it up, they don't know what to do with themselves, and they think, okay, I'm now useless? No, not at all. That's not the message, and so it's really important to have that attitude of, your life is not over. It's just a new thing is ready to begin. Speaking of which, I mean, we were talking about Scotty and Relics. I mean, that is a huge episode about aging and... Yeah, generation differences. Generation gaps and quote-unquote being useless and, you know, in the way... And Picard going to Geordi saying, hey, I'm not ordering you to do anything, but, you know, like, uh, you know, people give need to be chance. of use. Yeah, let's give him a chance. And and so it was a beautiful episode in the fact of, I don't, I don't want to say Geordi had any kind of ageism. It was just like, listen, I don't have time to teach you everything that's new. You have too much of a gap. But it showed us that even if the older generation doesn't know everything there is to know about current technology. They still have something to offer because of their experience, because of their knowledge. And that knowledge can be applied and be helping the person who does have the superior technological knowledge. And, right. and also it was, Scotty was on his way to retirement and then this kind of surged him forward and said, you know what, I guess I don't want to do that anymore. Guess he's not finished yet. Yeah, I do sometimes wonder if Jordy came off a little too harsh. I think he kind of looks a little bit like a jerk in that episode. But then I think, what would any of us do when we're in work mode? It's work like, mode. Yeah. don't bother me, I'm working. So, okay, let's move away from TOS a little bit. So what are some other characters? Like anybody from Deep Space Nine pop into your head? Oh, absolutely. Just even on a physical sense, Cisco. Think about <laughs> when yeah. we see him with the shaved head and the beard. That character takes a turn, not just physically, though, but just in demeanor. Definitely. It's funny because Avery Brooks wanted to do the goatee and bald head right away. Like from uh -huh. season one, he's like, that's the look that he wanted. But the producers didn't want him to look like his character of Hawk from Spencer for Hire. 
And so they had to wait a couple of years. But he, apparently he kept asking, like, is this the year? Is this the season? Can we do it now? <laughs> and they finally caved and let him do it. And I think fans really loved it because he just looks so cool with his goatee and his bald head. He looks like a badass. He really does. And I really think it does Cisco in good stead. I think so, too. I think it services him well. It allowed him to progress his personality where he was always he was always a character who gave it to you straight. That was always the case. But yeah. it's kind of like Riker with the beard where he his demeanor, he had a little bit more confidence and he was able to assert himself a little bit more. And I know, like I said, he's always been assertive, but there was just something about when the beard came and the hair went off his character went through a little bit more changes too because he became a full-fledged captain and that gave him more authority. And even regardless of physicality, I feel like Cisco is a great example of someone aging and evolving in adulthood along with his son. Oh, yeah, totally. And we ought to discuss Jake maybe for a little while too. But Cisco, I mean, he, I think along with the beard and the shaved head, he is a captain He's got command of the Defiant as well as the station, added responsibility. He is, at this point, starting to embrace his role as emissary because at first he was so reluctant. Now he's kind of, he's coming around. Then there's the whole thing with the war. That obviously shapes people. Oh my gosh, But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, a lot changes in these latter seasons of DS9. We could have an entire episode just devoted to how Cisco changes and ages and evolves because of emissary. I mean, you oh, yeah. look at season one Cisco from an emissary standpoint and season seven of him with the emissary standpoint. It is night and day and it's beautiful. Almost a different guy. I mean, the things that he went through, some stuff really unexpected that you would not think season one Cisco would have done. He's done by season seven, and it's not out of character. It's it's completely within his character. He's just changed that much. And he wants to set down roots on Bajor, where like he says, he's like, yeah. listen, like I'll go wherever Starfleet tells me to go, but when I come home, it's going to be on Bajor. And that is amazing when you consider season one Cisco, who didn't even knew if he wanted to be there on a Cardassian station above Bajor. Yeah, and is being thrust into this whole thing with being an emissary. Like, what? Yeah. yeah. I don't think he ever would have considered Bajor as a homestead in those days. Now, Odo and Kira are two characters who definitely grew up and changed over the course of, of seven seasons. And not just because of external forces and not just because of character arcs. I mean, like, Kira has a very underrated character arc. I, I've said that for years she changes a lot. She really does. Again, kind of the angry, formal rebel leader transformed into a much more seasoned, yeah. experienced, and more level-headed colonel. I think it's her arc. I shouldn't say arc, but I feel like her growing up, her adulthood, her changing is very similar to what we talked about with Balana. And I think it's definitely because of their backgrounds of freedom fighters and yeah, their temper. That quote-unquote angry person that having that temper, absolutely. And, uh, you know, of course, like, Bellana's childhood was nowhere near as traumatic as, as Kira's, while it still was traumatic and had her horrible aspects to it with being of mixed race and parents splitting up and everything like that. But uh, she wasn't in an internment camp like, like Kira was. Yeah, little different, little different. And also, you know, like, again, we see that aging, that adulthood, that growing linked with relationships which is it often is i know that is 
with me, I mean, like I have changed leaps and bounds over the past 12 years of being with my wife, you know, first dating, then engaged, then married, and then now having a child. I am a completely different person than I was when I started this relationship. And I'm it's for the better. And I've been tempered. And so I feel like yeah. Odo and Kira did that to each other. Totally. I'm so glad you brought this up. Because when you grow with somebody in a relationship, you grow together and you change each other. And you also grow together as a unit. So you have your individual growth, but it's also growing together as a couple. And Odo and Kira really did do that, as did Tom and Bellana, for sure. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I know this isn't really what we're talking about, but when Odo linked with the female changeling uh-huh. and then later had physical sex uh-huh. with the female changing, a changeling, the female changeling said like, oh, well, that's, you know, that physical act of sex is nothing compared to the intimacy of linking. And I loved how when Kira found out, she was visibly shaken. Yeah. She understood the depth of what linking was, and she did not like it. And I can't remember if they were together or not, if they were on and off. I I can't remember during that because that would have been straight up cheating if that was the case well yeah i think i think there were definitely feelings there at that point but they were not actually together yet now keep in mind it's been a while since i've watched (laughs) ds9 all the way through so take that with a grain of salt we could be wrong we could be wrong no big deal but regardless i love that we got to see that in a sci-fi aspect like that's something that we get to talk about like it's kind of analogous to sex but not really And Mm -hmm. so we get to explore it in different dimensions. And that's kind of the beauty of this conversation about aging in Star Trek and developing in Star Trek is because, you know, like we could talk about the Doctor. We could talk about Data. We could talk about Odo. And these are all things that we don't really know about from firsthand because they're all they all can only be looked at with a sci fi lens. (laughs) Right. And there are so many characters we are not going to be able to cover with this podcast because we're running out of time. So. Honestly, I really think at some point we need to do a part two and continue this conversation. There's so many more characters that we need to discuss. Yeah, I think we could do a part two, but that part two focuses on the alien aspect of changing and growing. That would be cool too, yeah. Yeah, we talked about Kira, who's a Bajoran, and we talked about Balana, who's half Klingon. Yeah, they're aliens, but their development is not quote-unquote alien. The development of the Doctor and Data and Odo and people like that is. Sure. Okay, well, let's take that into account next time. Cool. Awesome. So that's our show, everybody. Uh, Please go to thenerdparty.com for all of our back episodes, as well as all of our other shows that exist on the network. We got Harry Potter. We got Star Wars. We got Doctor Who. We got so many things that you can check out. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all over the place. And uh, next week, we might be doing a part two. We might be doing something else. But no matter what we're going to do, we're going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.